you're in the right place. The place where you can learn to improve your health and achieve wellness naturally. You're in the right place. This is Naturally Speaking, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health on KTRS. Welcome to Naturally Speaking. You're with the Institute of Natural Health here. Coming to you from the Caldi's Coffee Studio, I am Dr. Seth Gerlach. Here with me are Dr. T.J. Williams and Miss Erin Flynn. You guys ready to roll today? We're ready. We're ready. All right. So the healthcare system today is broken. We're spending more than ever, and we are sicker than ever. Today's problems are not being solved by yesterday's model. We need a new way of thinking about health. So the body has a truly amazing ability to heal, and our mission is to really give people the tools they need to achieve that true health. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. So my body broke down when I was a teenager. I suffered with migraines, vertigo, terrible back pain, stomach issues, and depression. I was sick. I saw dozens of doctors and took a handful of medications every day. It was horrible. Then I got involved in natural health care, went to chiropractic school, earned a diplomate in internal diagnosis. And so along the way, I've rebuilt myself, and I'm healthy as ever now. And it's truly amazing how resilient the body can be. And so I'm really here to help people give them the tools and let them know that healing is possible. So we're going to jump into the other people here with us. Dr. TJ Williams, he's one of the guys that's always learning something, studying, reading, teaching. I'll let him a little, tell him a little bit about himself. Self-proclaimed nerd. Uh, I'm TJ. I've got a Ph.D. in kinesiology with an emphasis in physiology. Yeah, it's a big mouthful of uh, stuff. I've been a chiropractor as well. I've got a diplomate in internal diagnosis like Seth. Um, what I enjoy most about what I do is helping someone regain their health. There's nothing more exciting than seeing the smiles on people's faces when they're becoming well again. You can see the excitement just pouring out of them, and every single person in the clinic notices it. There's something pretty special about someone walking up to you, giving you a hug, and then having them thank you for helping them. It's it's just powerful, and it's why I go to work every single day. Erin? Hi, I am Erin Flynn. I am not a doctor. I'm here as a patient um, with lay knowledge, like most of you, um, I have been through the process of, you know, getting well with the Institute of Natural Health. I was sick for a long period of time, and I've learned a lot along the way, but definitely am still learning. So I am here to mostly just ask questions and um, kind of learn along with the rest of you. She's the voice of reason. Yeah. <laughs> We're glad to have her here. She'll try to keep us on track because sometimes we get a little... Off track. We get a little little bit into the deep end sometimes. Maybe. Maybe. All right. So today we got an awesome show. We're talking about diabetes today. We're going to talk a little bit about the dangers of diabetes, what all goes along with it, how do people get it, and how to prevent and even reverse it. So stay with us. When we come back, we're going to dive right into what is diabetes, what it does to the body, and why you should be concerned about it. Stick with us. This is Naturally Speaking on the Big 550 KTRS. Welcome back to Naturally Speaking. Naturally Speaking from the Institute of Natural Health on KTRS. Welcome back, folks. 
You're listening to Naturally Speaking with the Institute of Natural Health. I'm Dr. Seth Gerlach. Today we're talking diabetes, and this is a big problem in America today, so you or probably someone you know suffers with this. So we got a great show, so you can listen in. We'll give some tips and tricks today. We'll start with, what is diabetes? Dr. TJ, do you have something for us? That's a great question. Diabetes is when the body has this thing called the pancreas. There's an organ in us that's called the pancreas, and its job is to make this hormone called insulin. And so diabetes is when we have trouble with this insulin. So insulin has a job, and that job is just to carry sugar from our blood into our body's cells to be used for energy. So we have two different types of diabetes. There's type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is when someone does not make insulin. So their pancreas just doesn't even produce the hormone. And then there's type 2 diabetes. And most of this today's show is about type 2 diabetes. This is when insulin can't actually do its job. That's when our body can't get the insulin into the cells to bring the sugar into our cells. And this is kind of also termed insulin resistance. Yeah, so it all kind of goes together. I've got an analogy here. See if you guys can follow it. So like TJ said, we eat a food, or if we eat carbohydrates or glucose, it's in our uh, blood vessels. It needs to get into our cells so we can turn it on and use it for energy. Insulin is the key that unlocks the door so the glucose can get into the cells. So, But what happens if over time, if we have too much glucose day in and day out, we have to produce way more insulin day in and day out. Well, that wouldn't be a problem if our cells get resistant to insulin. So think of it, I've got a, I've got a stubborn dog. Think of it as, so I take my dog out, and if I try to take her for a walk, the harder I pull the harder she pulls back and she kind of just sits down and gives up. So this is kind of what happens to the cells when they see so much insulin day after day after day. They kind of get worn out and say, you know what, I can't even keep up anymore. I'm just going to lay right here. Yeah, they just they absolutely just give up. Yep. And when that happens, a lot of different things go on in the body. And, you know, people get thirsty. They they may pee a lot they could, because they have to drink a lot of water. There's, there's a lot of things that happen. But for those of you out there who have heard of diabetes, a lot of people don't realize how many people actually have it. There, Do you realize, Seth, that there are 86 million people in the United States that have what we call pre-diabetes? This is just right before you actually end up with full-fledged diabetes. That's just insane. Why, do, why, are, why are so many people having diabetes? What's going on? That's amazing. And one other thing I want to add is, as of 2015, there was a paper that came out estimated half of Americans have either diabetes or prediabetes. So this is a huge problem, affecting one in two people. Wow. Yeah. Aaron's got a question. Uh, well, what is the difference between diabetes and prediabetes? <laughs> well, prediabetes, so if you have a normal person, it's basically a transition. So if someone is normal and healthy and they don't have diabetes – on one end of the spectrum, and on the other end of the spectrum, you have someone who has diabetes. It's not necessarily just an all or, or nothing. You can have this little gray area in between where things are going on in the person where they're starting to get diabetic-like, but they're not full-blown diabetes. There are some, there, with blood labs and things, when someone has gets a diagnosis of diabetes, they have to meet certain requirements. 
But there are, there's this gray area between normal and healthy and where you get to have these certain requirements. So that's the area that's considered pre-diabetes. Right. Does that answer and, your question? Yeah, that's good. And, yeah, we see a lot of people that, you know, you think you just – one day you have diabetes – you know, it's it, not like that. It takes years and years to develop. So that's where that gray area is. And that's where, I mean, the care needs to pre- be provided there even prior to to make sure we don't get it. Yeah. That's, that's what so we should be focusing on. Are most people who are pre-diabetic aware of it? Mm-hmm. And do they get, is there treatment for that? No, they are not aware of it. And, you know, there there are a lot of different things that can be done. The, the key is figuring out where the where the system is breaking down for them. Yep. I actually have something here, Dr. TJ. It says over 90% of people with prediabetes don't even know they have it. So this is a silent killer, really. Yeah. Do you have symptoms if you're prediabetic? That's a great question, and it, I hesitate because it's kind of difficult to answer. There are symptoms there, but sometimes people don't even realize that it's a symptom. They don't realize that if they get up in the middle of the night to go pee two or three times, that that could be a symptom of pre-diabetes. They don't realize that the weird headaches that they may be getting could be a symptom of pre-diabetes. And is this something that generally it's in the population that is overweight, or is it something that can affect anyone? It it can affect anyone, um, actually. It has a tendency to affect more people who are overweight, but it can actually be anyone. There there are people who come in who are are of, quote, normal weight, and they can still have pre-diabetes. Yeah, and some of the new research suggests that maybe one in two people that have diabetes or insulin resistance, excuse me, can be have a normal BMI or they are normal weight. So these things can happen in the body without obesity. So if you are pre-diabetic, is there still are there still options to prevent you from becoming diabetic? There are. There are there are quite a few options. Do you want to get into some of those, Seth? True. So we're going to touch on this a little later in the show. Um, A couple of things. First is obviously we need to test to make sure, you know, we don't test after the fact. We test before to see what direction we're heading in because some tests are predictive to see where we're going. So we can make those um, those changes early. Uh, One of the big things is going to be diet. We're going to talk about it a lot today, but balancing your diet with carbohydrates, fats, and proteins is going to be huge. And we'll talk to that more in depth later as we go. Um, One thing I did want to touch on, TJ, is some of the dangers that go along with diabetes and some of the things that go along with that. So I know we can have high blood pressure with this. This is usually coupled with it. Um, I know liver disease runs with this as well. Yeah. I know it's uh, someone with diabetes is three times as likely to have some kind of liver dysfunction. Um, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish up. The, uh, blood vessels in our eyes and kidneys, those are the smallest in our body. Those are affected the earliest. So that's where we can see changes there. Yeah. I want, I want to touch on that for just a second. So why I I ask the questions, I ask a lot of why questions or if it, when patients come to us that have either prediabetes or diabetes, I ask them if they understand, truly understand what's going on in their body. And a lot of them have an idea, but they may not understand really what's, the real dangers of why people have all these other problems with diabetes. Diabetes is basically when you have too much sugar in your blood, your blood becomes very thick. And people with diabetes end up having problems 
like heart disease. They end up with problems like kidney disease. They end up with things like blindness, losing an eyeball or their eyesight. The reason this happens is because if our blood is really, really thick, it's kind of like sludge that our heart's trying to pump. So our heart is trying to pump something that's much thicker, so our blood pressure goes up. Well, we also have little bitty, teeny, tiny blood vessels in our body, and the two places where they're the smallest are our eyeballs and our kidneys. And it's kind of ironic that we have this really thick blood that's being pumped through our eyes and our kidneys, and it damages those. And then people with diabetes end up with kidney disease and blindness. That That's what's going on. And when, when people start realizing uh, that, then they can say, oh, okay, now I understand why there are all these other health problems. And then they start picking up and saying, like, oh, well, is that why I have heart problems and why I have this and why I have that? Yeah, it all ties together. And it's that really thick blood that is the problem. Yeah, think of it as a milkshake going through your veins and arteries instead of water. Yeah. So that's what's terrible. You've also, diabetes raises your risk of stroke, uh, of stroke excuse me. And, and strict. I don't know what that is, but your, your risk is probably up. Thank you. Aaron didn't keep me on track there. No. I don't know no. Aaron fell off the rails. Jeez. Yeah, I, I don't know what strict is, but I don't know what a lot of things you guys talk about. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it, could, it could be a thing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> it also uh, doubles our risk for Alzheimer's, too. So today, uh, many consider Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes. That's what it's called. So is the reason, I guess, you want to keep you want to catch it when you're pre-diabetic is i mean once you're diabetic is it kind of a life sentence that you're looking forward to kidney disease and liver disease and that's all these other problems that's a great question it's not necessarily a life sentence it's just quite a bit more difficult and there are more things that have to happen it's always better to catch something early the earlier we catch something the earlier we can do something about it, the easier it is to get back to health. We use a we use a, um, a couple of different analogies. Dr. Seth came up with this great cliff analogy. I'll let him explain that um, maybe a little bit later. But everyone knows an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And the more we can be preventive and catch things early and test and figure out what it is that's going on, the much easier, much more easy it's going to be for people to recover. So if you don't catch it early, is there still options? There's still hope, yeah. And, and in fact, we, we have a great story that we're going to talk about, and we'll probably talk about that coming up next. I want to I take a break. It's time for us to take a break. But when we come back, I really want to dive into this one particular um, testimonial that we have. We actually have this on our YouTube channel. You can go to our website, click our YouTube channel, and join that. And see this, it's it's a lady who has diabetes and heart disease and some pretty profound things that have happened in only 10 weeks of care with us. So stick with us. It's going to be a great story. When we get back, we're going to talk about that. You're listening to Naturally Speaking on the Big 550 KTRS. You're in the right place. You're listening to Naturally Speaking. Naturally Speaking, the show that teaches you how to achieve wellness naturally on KTRS. Welcome back to the show, everyone. We're having a good time in here. You're listening to Naturally Speaking with the Institute of Natural Health. We were just talking about bacon over the break. You guys missed it. Bacon is delicious. TJ started salivating over there. I did. 
I got got me thinking about breakfast when I loaded up on some bacon this morning. Yes, sir. So and, well, and enjoyed my nice, delicious, nutritious glass of Caldi's coffee. Oh, so amazing! Good. So good. So when we left off, we said we we're going to talk about a cool testimonial. Uh, so Miss Cleo came to us uh, a couple months ago with um, a complaint of heart disease and diabetes. She was on multiple medications, really uncontrolled, but she wanted to take control of her life, and she she really wanted us to help her with that. She she did. It was it was an interesting story. She figured out that she was diabetic when she started falling down. She just started falling down for no reason. She fell in her backyard and rolled down the hill. At, mm-hmm. at that point, she finally said, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm going to go to my doctor and figure out what's wrong. And they diagnosed her with diabetes. Right. Wild. So she comes up, comes to us with, she's on blood pressure medications. She's on medications for diabetes. So we take a look at her, do some testing, do some other things, and we start to make some changes in her. And so she comes back a couple weeks later, you know, I'm feeling better. And another couple weeks, you know, I'm feeling, I'm still feeling better. And so she came to us a couple weeks ago saying, you know, I went to, I went to my medical doctor that retested me and the doctor was shocked that my blood sugar had dropped so much and my blood pressure had dropped so much that they cut the blood pressure medications and then they cut the diabetes medications in half. Listen to that, folks. Eliminated, completely discontinued her blood pressure medications and then cut her diabetes medications in half. That is amazing. What's more amazing is that it happened in less than 12 weeks. All she did was the things that we asked her to do, and she became well. You should see this woman walk into our clinic. She practically hops and skips down the hallway because she's so excited about the progress that she's seeing. She tells everyone. She walks in the door. She starts telling them her story. We don't have to do anything. She just starts telling. She sees someone in the waiting room that she hasn't seen before. She's telling them her story. She is so over the moon excited. Are those common results, though? I mean, can someone generally expect to see that dramatic of a difference? In our office, they're pretty common. In the rest of the world, eh, not so sure. And it's not it's not that it's a terribly hard thing to do. It's just that if you follow what is put forth, you know, we see big changes. So it's that's what's fun about it. Do people see similar results with the diabetes medications? Because I gather from what you've said that that's generally what people are put on when they find out they have diabetes, and there has to be a reason for that, Why, right? That's a, that's a really good question, and I can only speak to what comes into our office. When people get into our office, they're on diabetes medications. They are on a lot of them. Um, for those of you who are not familiar, when one medication isn't working, they do a combo, and then they go to two, and then from two they go to three. And once they get to three medications, there's really not a lot else to do. And the next thing you know, you're injecting insulin into your body as a, as a last resort. And so by the time people come to us, they're, they're in those stages. And well, all we do is just start figuring out where the body broke down to begin with. Just because their pancreas isn't working as well and their body isn't receiving the insulin as well doesn't mean that, that they can't be helped. Right. Yeah, diabetes isn't a metformin deficiency. So there's always something that went wrong in the body. And that could be diet. It could be they could be toxic. It could be they have a leaky gut causing immune problems. It could know? be heavy metals. Yeah, it could be so many different things. But if you find the cause, fix the root cause, 
then people get better. Okay, I guess that's where I'm confused. You're saying diabetes isn't the root cause, that something is actually... Because I guess I was under the impression that when you're diagnosed with diabetes, you have found what the problem is. The problem is diabetes. That's a, that's a great point. So diabetes is really just the name of a condition that ha- contains all of these different things that are going wrong. Diabetes is just the global name to say that this person has an insulin problem. Now, type 1 diabetes means they don't make insulin. Type 2 diabetes means they can't get insulin into their cells. That's Diabetes isn't the cause of their problem. The cause is the inability of their body to deal with or manufacture insulin. And then you have to find out what's causing that? Exactly. And how do you do that? Test. We run, we run lots of tests. There are tests that predict, um, you know, we, we get most people come into our office and they've got one lab, and we typically run three or four um, where, you know, most doctors out there just run one. And it's a lot of that just has to do with the system isn't set up to allow them to be able to, to run more testing. It's not that they don't want to. It's not that they don't know how to. It's just that they don't because the system is failing them. Yeah, so we like to think of ourselves as personal health detectives. People come to us with all kinds of problems. We need to figure out what's what's the underlying cause of all of them. And so we can do a lot of different testing to figure out those causes, and it's really cool. So I talk about a cliff analogy, and so this really points to the fact that we can – some of these tests are can show us our risk for developing certain diseases. So ideally, if we're on a cliff, we like to be – towards the top and if we have cliffs on both sides we want to make sure we're right in the middle there if we start trending down towards the cliff we know we're trending towards disease our goal is to put you back up and keep you on safe ground we know where you are when we test you no one wants to fall off the edge that's not fun no one no one wants to fall off the edge tj likes drawing sharks on on the bottom of the cliff too yeah yeah we for those of you (laughs) aren't familiar with us we, we have this huge whiteboard in our in one of our conference rooms and we draw lots of pictures and write lots of things up there so people get a gl- good, clear idea of what's going on. So we, I like to draw sharks in the water. It's what I do. So is there a point at which someone can't be helped? Kind of. There, There is a window of opportunity. Um, I haven't really come up against it yet, but I know that it exists. We've We've watched people that have had, you know, really, really high blood sugars get that stuff back under control, but I know that there's a point at which someone's going to come in with a blood sugar that's so high that there's not much that we can do. So, yes, to answer your question, there is a point of no return. Okay, so what if someone comes in and they've been on a diabetes medication for 20-something years? Does that even happen? It, It does happen, and yes, and things can be um, helped. It's going to be a slow process, but the key is we're just we just want to make baby steps in the right direction. We want to face this person towards health and wellness, and then give them a little nudge and get them walking that way. And once that starts, they start noticing that they feel better, they sleep better, they are they they have these just huge emotional changes that take place in them. They just start becoming well. Is that necessary even if they? have controlled their diabetes on medication? Because I'm thinking they probably have, and I think it's A1C. Hemoglobin A1C, yes. They probably had it lowered on the medication, right? If it is under control, is there a reason to, you know, why try to fix what's 
not broken? So I'm going to – Steph started to answer there. I'm going to jump right in here because just because you're on a medication, the, the medication for diabetes isn't a license to go out and just continue to eat crap and expect the medication to fix it because because eventually the medication is no longer going to be effective. And how do we know this? Because we end up having to do combo therapies. So one medication isn't enough. Now you need two. Then you need three. Then you need injectable insulin. It's a stepwise process. And things have to change. And I know people get educated on cleaning up their diet, but they don't really learn what they need to eat for them. And that's important. Knowing what foods you need to eat and what foods are specifically healthy for you is all that makes all the difference in the world, and we test for that. That's an awesome point, and I want to talk about that more, TJ, when we come back from the break, talk about diet a little bit with diabetes, how it affects it, and what you can do to really put a damper on that. So come back. It's going to be fun. You're listening to Naturally Speaking on the Big 550 KTRS. You're listening to Naturally Speaking. Naturally Speaking, the show that teaches you how to achieve wellness naturally on KTRS. Welcome back to Naturally Speaking. Today we're talking diabetes. We're having a good time. We're learning a lot. We got some tips and tricks coming up later. First, we were going to talk about our diet and our food. So Dr. TJ talks a lot about different kinds of food, how it affects us. Dr. TJ, you want to tell the listeners a little bit about that? Sure. So one of the first things I try to get across to our patients is that all food, doesn't matter what it is, all food falls into one of three categories. It's either a protein, a fat, or a carbohydrate. And this is where it starts, minds start blowing. So the, the rule of thumb is, and this is not 100%, and I understand it's not 100%, but for intent, all intents and purposes, protein is the meat that we eat, fat is the fat found on that meat that we're eating, and then everything else is a carbohydrate. And I know, I know, some of you are out there, well, what about olive oil? Yes, there's olive oil and almond oil and whatever other kind of oil out there. Those are fats too. I get that. But you're not going to sit down at a meal and consume a cup of olive oil. You're going to consume meat and vegetables, salads, and some of you out there are eating lots and lots of pasta. And, you know, it's important to know that we need to eliminate carbohydrates. So, yes, I'm telling you that if you are diabetic, things like tons of meat and fat are good for you. Yes, they are. Fat is good. Fat is good. It's delicious, and we encourage it for someone who is diabetic. So you're not just suggesting that they get rid of sugar. It's all carbohydrates? It's not all carbohydrates. Um, it's carbohydrates in in with common sense. It's, car, it's common sense carbohydrates, common sense carbs. Sometimes we f- refer to it in the industry here. Um, eating vegetables, they're carbohydrates, and complex Carbohydrates are an okay thing. Things like spinach, kale, broccoli, those those types of things are, are okay to consume. But other things that are carbohydrates that may not be the best for us if we're diabetic are things like fruits. Fruit is nature's candy. 
and it's very high in sugar. And yes, it's not glucose. It's this sugar called fructose, which is just fruit sugar, but it still has the same effect on blood sugar. So it's very important to know these types of things. And a lot of our experiences, a lot of diabetics come in, they tell us that what they eat for breakfast is a bowl of oatmeal and then they have fruit. Well, that's really carbohydrates with carbohydrates. We need to switch those over to eating protein-heavy, fat-heavy breakfasts. Right. Another thing is potatoes people don't think about, which <clears throat> potatoes will raise your blood sugar more than just table sugar does. And so really the bottom line in all this is how do these different foods affect your blood sugar? So remember earlier, you may have been with us, may not. So when we eat a carbohydrate, it breaks down into glucose, and then the glucose needs to get into our cells for energy. Well, when we have too much of this, the insulin, the key, can unlock the cell, so the sugar hangs out in our blood. That's when we get sludge for blood. It's, so, like, it's like syrup. It's bad. And so if we eat a carbohydrate, it spikes our blood sugar right away, so we have to release more insulin, which leaves us more prone to have sugar in the blood. Whereas if we eat a protein or a fat, our blood sugar does not spike. It kind of levels out throughout the day. That's right, and and having that consistent blood sugar is what's important for overall health. I mean, when when you're eating, when if a person is diabetic and they're having trouble making enough insulin to get the sugar into their cells, and then you eat something that's really really high in in carbohydrates and sugar, all you're doing is asking the body to work overtime to make more insulin. We don't necessarily think that's the best way. Okay, what I don't understand is. You had mentioned before that a lot of people who have type 2 diabetes are overweight. And so you're now telling them to eat a lot of fat. I'm thinking you might be solving the blood sugar issue, but isn't the extra weight or obesity going to cause even more problems? That's a good question. And we've we've talked about it before. For those of you who are new to our show, um, one of our favorite doctors out there is a, is a guy named Mark Hyman. And... He wrote a book. I believe the title of it is Eat Fat, Lose Fat. Eat Fat, Get Thin. Oh, yeah, Eat Fat, Get Thin. I always get that wrong. We've got the book on the shelf at the clinic, and I've read it, but I'd never remember the name. Eat Fat, Get Thin. Think about that. Eat Fat, Get Thin. There's your answer. If you want to lose weight, eat more fat. It's the basis of the Atkins diet, and the Atkins diet helped a ton of people. And, in fact, I just looked at a... a uh, a magazine the other day, something, I kind of keep up with current events and celebrities and stuff. And actually right now, Kim Kardashian just oh God, had her last baby or second baby, and she is proudly out there saying, I am following the Adkins diet to shed the 60 pounds that I gained while carrying this baby. So it works. So is that what you advocate, is following an Atkins diet? Uh, not necessarily. We actually we actually run a, a genomics test in our office to tell us what a person should be eating. So we actually run a test in our clinic that tells us, based on a person's genetic makeup, should they be eating a balanced diet, meaning relatively equal carbohydrates, fats, proteins? Should they be eating a high-fat diet, or should they be eating a high-protein diet? And that is part of why we talk about it's so important to know what a person should be eating. Because just because the food is a health food doesn't mean that it's healthy for you. Right? right? We've talked about that before. Just because it's healthy doesn't mean it's healthy for you. Yeah, and there's been a war on fat for the past three, four decades or so. And 
recently it's been vilified as coming out and saying, you know what, fat's really not that bad for us if you eat the right kind of fat. And it's been on the cover of Time Magazine and all these things too. Well, I've got a stat right here. In 1994, the American Diabetes Association recommended Americans consume 70% of their calories from carbohydrates. Well, what happened? Let me guess. Diabetes went up. Um, in 2007, a little over a decade later, the cases of diabetes had doubled. Whoa. Whoops. Is that at all because we're testing better? Hmm. That's a good question. The standards for what's being diagnosed as diabetes haven't changed. It's still, a, if your hemoglobin A1C is at a specific number, if you're fasting glucose, these are both blood tests, ladies and gentlemen, if those numbers, they, they're still the exact same. So the, the requirements for being diagnosed with a diabetic, as a diabetic are, haven't changed in, the, in that time. So my guess is that it's just because we're eating way more sugar than we used to. Well, and I know that during that time was really the low-fat craze. So mm, right. I think a lot of people were not consuming fat. So that makes sense. Um, I, I, let me top, touch on that for just a second. Fat is flavor, folks. Fat is flavor. And if you're going to ta- make a food low-fat, the only way to get the flavor in it is to add sugar back into it to make it flavorful. Yep. So it, that's that's why we increased all these carbohydrates. We, you're right. With the low-fat craze, we had to put sugar back in to make it taste good. Otherwise, it just tasted like cardboard. Yeah. If it comes in a box or a bag, you shouldn't be eating it. That's that's yeah, that's a general rule of in thumb. It, if it comes in a box and it says low-fat... Please run. Yes. Because it's really bad. Um, so I know I've asked this before. So um, <laughs> Ask again. It may not be a good question, but can people eat sugar-free items if they're diabetic? Is that? I mean, I'm just trying to think of a way that we can get around eliminating all sugar. And aren't there a lot of candies and things out there for diabetics that are sugar-free? There, there are, but I, I'm not a... I can't say as I 100% know the answer to that question, but what I can say is common sense observation. There are more of those types of things available, and if they were really healthy, we would think that we would be seeing diabetes incidents go down, and it's not going down. The incidence of diabetes is going up. So common sense makes me think, eh, probably not as good a choice as you could be making. And I've seen some of these, they've actually studied some of these now, these uh, fake sugars, and some of them have an effect on insulin. They raise your insulin levels. So they may not raise your blood sugar right away, but they're leading to the problem of that insulin resistance again. So er. Yeah. One of the working theories out there is that you're putting something on your tongue that's three to 600, maybe even a 1,000 times sweeter than sugar, so your brain says, ooh, I'm getting sugar, even though it's not it's there's no sugar in it but the chemical is makes your brain think that it's got sugar and so it causes the uh pancreas to just start dumping insulin in massive amounts so that kind of goes back to what you guys have said before where if you can eat something that's more natural that's going to be better than anything artificial yeah it's the whole back to your sugar-free analogy it's the whole everyone everyone out there pretty much has seen someone Go have a diet soda, nothing against the the soda industry, but go have a diet soda and then 20 minutes later eat a candy bar. Why? What just happened? Their brain said, I'm getting sugar, I'm going to make a lot of insulin, I'm going to decrease the sugar in our blood, and 
there no sugar showed up. So they have to eat something to replenish that sugar, and so they reach for a candy bar. Which, if you have fat or protein, it's sa- it's satiating. It makes you feel full for a lot longer. That's right. And one thing about food, uh, one rule of thumb, I know, I can't remember the doctor who said this, but eat what your great-grandmother would eat if she were back in her day. Well, you, know? you, you could take credit for that. How about that? Oh, I As, like that. Seth, Seth says. <laughs> remember, Dr. Seth told you that. So, oh, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. go ahead. Ask the question. Um, Can we eat butter? Yes. Okay. Likely. <laughs> it's not it's not always good for everyone. You know, I, I yes, if you're not going to test and figure out if butter is actually healthy for you and you should be eating butter, then I say yes, have butter. Um if you're going to test for it, then butter may be not the greatest for you. Just depends on your makeup and how you're doing. But you would rather have someone eat butter than sugar. I would yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Aaron, did you have a question on genetics? Is she a Mentioned something. Oh, I wondered if it seems like there are a lot of people I've seen who are have parents who are diabetic and have been worried about that and, you know, are trying to eat what they are supposed to eat and exercising. Are they more at risk? Is there are you know, are they doing enough if they're trying to watch their diet? That's a good question. So. How I kind of explain this is diabetes may be not as genetic as we once thought, but it definitely runs in families. So when our parents eat certain foods and we grow up eating those foods, we're likely to eat that way as we get older. And it may not be the healthiest choices and it may not be the healthiest proportion of things to be eating. So we may, if we start as as a as a child, we may decide, you know what, I'm out of the house now, I've grown up, I'm going to make different choices and eat different types of foods and eat the foods that are specifically healthy for me, you can actually decrease your risk of getting diabetes even if both of your parents had diabetes. Does that make sense? Yeah, so there is a possibility that you won't have the problem at all. That's right. There is a, There is that possibility. And I've got a cool example here. Um, I tell people this sometimes. It's uh, if, I wonder if anyone's other heard of the Pima Indians. So they lived in Arizona in the early 1900s, and that was before this area is really westernized. So they ate a lot of the, just the foods they had around them. And so since that area has been built up and more people have moved in, they've switched over to a standard American diet. And so what used to be one of the healthiest people in all the world – now, almost 80% of them have diabetes. So what happened in that time period? So it wasn't their genetics that changed. It was mainly their environment that changed. Yeah, their environment and their diet, their choices of the foods that they're going to eat makes a big difference on our overall health. Yep. So, guys, uh, when we come back, we're going to have some tips for anyone out there who has diabetes, pre-diabetes, or looking to even prevent diabetes at all. So stick with us. It'll be very informative. You're listening to Naturally Speaking on the Big 550 KTRS. You're in the right place. You're listening to Naturally Speaking. Naturally Speaking. The show that teaches you how to achieve wellness naturally on KTRS. 
Welcome back to Naturally Speaking. We've got some pointers that you can do at home to balance your blood sugar, prevent diabetes, and hopefully even reverse it. So I've, I've muted TJ over here so we can get through this quickly because we've I'm got some important stuff. Nope. No, 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 no. All right. So number one, eat a large protein and fat filled breakfast. So we don't want just cereal and oatmeal in the breakfast. That uh, that will spike our blood sugar and it'll make us actually hungrier later. So we'll actually reach for carbohydrates what, later. What do you actually suggest? Like bacon and eggs? Sure. Load up. Really? I love bacon and eggs. Huh. TJ's over there licking his chops again about bacon. I feel like you guys are full of good news today. I love bacon. <laughs> yep. Next, uh, avoid sugars and processed carbohydrates. So this is if it comes in a box or a bag, especially sodas and fruit juices. Those things are just deadly. Uh, next, and this is really important, most people we find don't drink enough water. So we recommend someone to drink at least half of their body weight in ounces. And if they have diabetes, we want that almost up to an ounce per body per pound of body weight. So if you weigh 200 pounds, you may need to drink well over a gallon of water a day just to keep you hydrated and thin out that blood that's turned into that sludge. Next, in order to maintain the blood sugar, it's good to snack throughout the day. Don't don't let yourself ever get too hungry. So grab some nuts. Always eat a protein for snack. Um, that'll keep you full. It'll keep that blood sugar balanced. And finally, structured exercise. Everyone's heard this before, but it really makes a big difference here. Um, that will help balance blood sugars. Um, it'll increase your immune system. It'll increase your mood. It'll help you sleep better. It's just so good for you. So try that at home. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, you can find us. Uh, www.theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com. We've got a YouTube page also where you can find the testimonial of Cleo on there. It's a good one, and there's other testimonials too. So check us out. Thanks for tuning in today. We had an awesome time signing off for Dr. TJ and Miss Aaron. This has been Naturally Speaking with the Institute of Natural Health. Check us out next week, guys. Have a good one. Go Bacon. This has been Naturally Speaking, the show that helps you improve your lifestyle naturally. Naturally Speaking. For more information about the Institute of Natural Health or this show, contact them online at theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com. 